You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Micah Beckwith. Well, good morning, Life Church. How's everyone doing? Happy New Year. Yeah? You guys excited to be here? Yes, good. It's good to see you all. Hey, we, uh, we've got a, a, a kind of a fun month planned. Uh, we're going to dive into some different topics. Normally at Life Church, we go through Scripture verse by verse. And I'm Pastor Micah, by the way, the, the pastor of our Noblesville campus. But we have four campuses, and every campus is diving into the same thing. So, but this month, we're going to be looking at the vision for 2024. Pastor Nathan's going to be giving that message here in a few weeks. And then we're going to, we're, today we're looking at uh, prophecy and why that matters. Because for a couple reasons, we've got our prophetic conference coming up on Friday and Saturday this week here at Noblesville. And you'll hear more about that here in a second. But then, uh, but, but also we've got our 21 days of prayer starting. And 21 days of prayer is part of the prophetic gifting God has given us. And it's all, it's all a conversational relationship that we have with the Creator. So prophecy and prayer kind of go hand in hand. And that's what we're going to look at today. Prophecy, why does it matter? Why is it important for you to understand it? And why is it important for you to actually walk in that gifting yourself? And you can walk in it. You, you can operate in the gift of prophecy, and you should, because we're going to see Scripture tells us that we should be doing that. But we're going to be kind of jumping all over Scripture. The nice thing about being expository, where normally we're just in one book of the Bible, you can just kind of camp out there. You don't have to flip around. But today, not so much. You're going to be flipping around all over the place, because we're going to go deep into God's Word. I hope you're ready. I think it's going to be exciting if you're like me, and you, you like looking at the supernatural realm this is going to be a, an exciting message. But let's pray that the Lord would open our, our hearts first to receive what he has for us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you do speak to us. You are continuing to speak to us. Thank you for, for constantly going uh, before us and, and living, uh, or showing us how to live the, the life uh, that you've commanded us to live through your example, through Jesus' example. And so, Lord, we pray that um, we, would, we would not miss you. Lord, with all the things that are going on in the world, it's easy to sometimes miss you. We pray that you would open our spiritual eyes to constantly see you and to see your, your prophetic words that you've given to us and you are giving to us. Father, we ask that you would just uh, let be, uh, be in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 13 here first. And if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, 9 through 16, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says this passage, this is not or this, this phrase, he says this over and over again in Scripture. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, now everyone grab your ears, okay, and just kind of tug on your ears, okay? You all have ears, I think most people have ears, okay? Now, Jesus isn't saying, he who has physical ears, let them hear. He's saying, open up your spiritual ears and understand what I'm saying. Open up your spiritual ears and actually discern what the Spirit is actually telling you right now. Because there's a lot of people who hear, but they don't understand. And that's what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 13. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He just got done speaking in parables. And this is what Jesus' response says. He says, Jesus said to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Now I want to stop here real quick. I, Susan was asking me yesterday, she's like, what, what do you feel like the Lord's word for you in 2024 is? And I, I, I honestly didn't know. And, and I was kind of like, I, I just haven't really got a, a word in 2024. But, but as I started praying about it last night, I, this word mystery started coming to my mind. And I forgot I was actually even using this passage of scripture that mentions the mystery. 
the mysteries of the kingdom. But I think for me, 2024, it's, it's Lord unveiled the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Wouldn't it be cool to know the mysteries of God? Like what the world has been, has been longing to find out about how this universe works or how the supernatural works. I think it would be amazing to know the mysteries of God, but you have not because you ask not. So if you want to know the mysteries of God, ask the Lord to show you those mysteries. And he will begin to reveal those mysteries on how all of this is working, both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, to you, you guys, my disciples, you know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now remember this passage, because at the very end of this message, we're going to see another time in Scripture, another parable, where this same statement is said in a different way. Okay, so remember, whoever has, he shall be given more, and whoever, whoever does not have, whatever he does have will be taken away from him. Okay, this is, and we'll get, we'll get to that a little bit later. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says this, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. This is why, why does prophecy matter? Why is it important? Because those who understand prophecy perceive what God is doing. They hear what God has said, and they know in the supernatural, the spiritual, what God is actually trying to accomplish and what his agenda is. And if you don't know prophecy, you're going to miss out on the very key aspects of Jesus Christ himself. Scripture actually literally says the spirit of prophecy who is who bears testimony of Jesus. If you want to be a testament to Jesus and, and what he's done in your life and how he is and how he's moving in this world, you have to understand prophecy. This is what it says in Revelation, Revelation 6, 19, starting in verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah, which just means God be praised. So God be praised, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. What does this mean? This is the church is now coming into the fullness of, of the promise of Jesus Christ. We, we, the church, are the bride. Jesus is the groom. And he's coming back to get a pure and spotless bride. This is at the end of time. We're seeing all this. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. But then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Those who have not missed what's going on here. Blessed are those people who got it. Blessed are those people who understood and he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said, whoa, 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 don't do that. I'm, not a, I'm just a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who, told to, who, to, hold, uh, who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. The spirit of prophecy bears testimony to Jesus. All of what you're seeing in the prophetic realm is pointing to Jesus Christ. All the way in the Old Testament, any of the prophecy you see in the New Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. 
Prophecy, if you look up the, de- the, de- the uh, descri- definition in, in the dictionary, just says the inspired declaration of divine will and purpose. So it, prophecy is just what is God's divine will and purpose? 1 Corinthians 12 is a very, uh, 12 and 14, we're going to look at both of those passages today. That, they, that talks a lot about the spiritual giftings. And we see prophecy mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, starting in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So that your spiritual gifts are given to you for the common good of the bride, the church, and even to expand into the world. You have spiritual gifts. Just like, just like I have a natural gift, God has gifted me in some ways that he hasn't gifted you. But he's gifted you in some ways that he hasn't gifted me. But together, collectively, naturally, we come together and hopefully link arms and do good things for the world. The same thing is true in the spiritual realm. You've got spiritual gifts that I don't have. And and I have spiritual gifts that you don't have. But we link arms together and we walk in those spiritual gifts. But prophecy is a gift that he says you should all seek after. The spiritual gift is for the common good. Now, why do we want to seek after it? It's all to edify the church. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, so the gift of wisdom. Another, a message of knowledge, so understanding, by means of the same Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And to other, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of those tongues. And all of these, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the gift of prophecy is in there as a spiritual gift. So God has given you all these different these different gifts. You might have the gift of prophecy natu- uh, supernaturally. God, that just may be natural for you to walk in that gifting. Some of you may not ne- necessarily have that. But today we're going to ask the Lord to give it to all of us. Now, if I, this is sort of my definition of prophecy. The ability to discern or hear the declaration or the word of the divine. So, so we, said, we saw earlier that it was understanding the, the, the declarations of the divine will and purpose. Well, you have to hear that and you have to understand what that word is saying. So prophecy is just knowing what God is saying, understanding it, and being able to put it into action. So conversationally, it's a relationship with somebody. That's what it is. It's, it's just it's having a conversational relationship with somebody else. You wouldn't have a very good marriage if you didn't have a conversation with your spouse and some of you are in here like, oh, man, we don't talk a ton anyway, Pastor Micah, right? Like, there's, it's not good to go long seasons without talking to somebody that you're supposed to be in relationship with. You got to talk to them. You got, I'm a, I'm a words of affirmation guy, okay? So if you know the five love languages, like, I, I, words of affirmation, that's kind of my love language. I like to tell my wife, I could be, I could be miles away, I could be a thousand miles away, get on a phone call, Talk to her for, you know, just, you know, 30 minutes. And in that conversation, she tells me, you know, I love you and you're, you're, you know, I'm so proud of you, all that kind of stuff. And then that could be good, right? And, and that to me is, is, is how I tick. Now, she's a little bit different. She, she needs the, you know, physical touch and the gifts of affirmation and uh, quality time. I think she kind of needs all of them, right? Except, you know, so... <laughs> She's not here yet, so I'm gonna. I may. I may. Re- ref- I'm gonna refine what I said and how I just said it here for the eleven o'clock. So don't you don't need to go tell her what I said. Uh, but it's good relationships. You have conversations with those people uh, that you're in relationship with, uh, and and this is also part of prayer too. You could say, well, that's prayer. Yeah, prayer. 
prayer is that as well. Prophecy and prayer really are kind of linked. They go hand in hand. We've got the 21 days of prayer coming up just starting next Sunday. And we're going to be 21 days just going to the Lord in prayer every night. Here at Life Church, we are going to be coming in, praying to the Lord, asking for the Lord to hear, or to hear his voice, give us prophetic words. All right, 21. The reason it's 21, by the way, just so you know, it takes 21 days to form a habit is what, is what uh, people who study human behavior, they say 21 days of doing the same thing over and over again and you form a habit. Well, we want prayer and we want a conversational relationship with God to be habitual in your life because then things start to get awesome and things start to get uh, just amazing. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Micah, I, I get this. I, I, maybe, I don't really feel like I have the gift of prophecy. I don't, I don't think I'm a prophet. Okay, understand there's two ways to look at this. Some of you here are called to just seek out the gifting of prophecy and to, and to be able to hear and interpret the, the word of the Lord, but you don't necessarily, you don't have a calling to sit in the office of a prophet. Okay, if you go back to the fivefold ministry giftings that Paul talks about, there's five ministry giftings that God has equipped us in some way, shape, or form to hold in the church. So you're in this category. It's not just me. It's you guys as well. You've got the pastoral gifting. You've got the teaching gifting. You've got the evangelism gifting. You've got the apostolic gifting. Uh, you've got the um, prophet gifting. Did that, is that five? Was I counting wrong? Was that, was that five? Okay. I was just counting wrong with my fingers, which threw me off. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> It's like, wait, that's four. That's what my fingers are telling me. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. So, so, those, so there's, a, there's a, just like I'm a pastor, I sit in the office of a pastor. Pastor Nathan is a pastor. He sits in the office of a pastor. You might have the pastoral gifting, just like I have. You're just not sitting in the office of a pastor. Prophecy is the same way. You might have a prophetic gifting. You're just not necessarily sitting in the office of a prophet. Now, what's the office of a prophet? We can go through to Scripture, and we can see. Now, I'm just going to, this is going to give you the history of a little bit of the prophets in the Scriptures. So bear with me. We're going to go back and look at the, the, where did this all sort of really start getting, get, uh, getting its legs. And really, you see, back in, back in the beginning, Samuel started a school of the prophets, in order to furnish the nation with godly men equipped to lead spiritually. So this was, his whole idea of, of, of prophecy was leadership, godly leadership. And boy, I could say, like, our nation right now needs godly leaders. Well, I would say we're not really doing a great job of schooling the next generation in the prophetic giftings. If you want good leadership, you've got to be able to hear and interpret the voice of the Lord. Now, this is true in nations. This is true in business. This is true in communities. It's true in your family. It's true everywhere. If you want to be a good leader, and I hope the answer is we all want to be good leaders, you should school yourself in the gifting of prophecy. Because when you hear God's voice, when you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, we've got, a, we've got an issue here. What do we do about it? Wouldn't you love the Lord just to be able to speak to you and say, do this, and this is the way to go? Boy, that would give you so much confidence, so much peace, and it would actually work really well. But oftentimes, we don't do that. And we see even the prophets fail. David, he had the prof prophetic gifting, and he failed to go to the Lord at times. And when he failed to go to the Lord and ask the Lord's direction, things didn't go as well as he would have hoped. But when he went to the Lord and asked the Lord's direction, guess what? The nation was blessed because it was good leadership. So Samuel started the school of the prophets in order for the nation to actually be filled with godly leaders. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 
Paul is saying, you should really want this gift. Now, all the gifts are good, but really, you should want prophecy. Why? Because you know, if you know how to hear the voice of the Lord, things are going to click all over the place. You're, you're, it's just going to be like adding rocket fuel to an already on-fire furnace. For anyone who speaks in tongues but does not speak to, to people but to God, or for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. So here's he saying, the gift of tongues is great, but that's between you and God. You're edifying your spirit. It's, it's, it's you're connecting with the spirit, but it's not really doing a whole lot to lead others around you. That's why when someone speaks in tongues here at Life Church, in the gathering of the saints, we stop the service and we have the interpretation come. Okay, because it does no good if you're speaking in tongues and, and using that gift right now and it messes up the service. People are just going to be like, well, that was kind of, you know, cool or weird. or I don't know what that was, but what good was it for me? It's not good for you unless someone brings an interpretation. So that's what, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, if you speak in tongues, you're just speaking to the Lord. It's good for you, but not good for the body. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strength, their encouragement, and their comfort. Prophecy, why does Paul say you should especially want prophecy? Because when you get prophecy, you're going to be able to be a great leader. Because you're going to give strength to the people around you, you're going to encourage the people around you, and you're going to give the people around you great comfort, knowing that God has spoken. Now, this is a big responsibility. You don't say God says unless God really says. And by the way, just so you know, I don't put this in my notes, but the prophets of, of old in the Old Testament, if you were to say a prophetic word from God and it comes out not to be true, they would take you outside the, the city and stone you. So there wasn't a whole lot of job, like job applications for uh, the, the prophet in those days. You better know when you say God says that God really said. So it's a big responsibility. So don't walk into this gifting lightly, but you, but you can have it, and you should want it, and the Lord will help you steward it. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies, prophesies edifies the bride, edifies the church. And then verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Tongues is good, but Paul says, if I have to pick between which one you're going to really walk in, walk in prophecy. Because that helps all of us. Rather, I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, he's not saying that, you know, you, this is a hi hierarchical kind of thing. He's saying that in the gathering of the saints, there's, there's, tongues does no good if there's no interpretation. But if there is interpretation, then it's good. That's great. But, but what he's saying is he's saying, I'd rather you just prophesy instead of speaking tongues, in the gathering so that the whole church can be edified. Now, now the curriculum, as I was studying this, what I found was Samuel, when he started the, the, the school of the prophets, they studied three basic things. They studied the law of God, they studied history, and they studied music. Sacred history and sacred music. I thought that was interesting. We come in here on Sunday mornings and we start with music. Why? Because it there's something about music that begins to allow the spirit to work prophetically through, through each one of us when music and praises are lifted up to the Lord. If prophecy, like I said earlier, is a testament to Jesus, if prophecy is a testament to him, then what, is, what does it say about Jesus being enthroned on the praises of his people? Whenever we praise, it's, he's lifted up on the throne Prophecy points to that throne and the one sitting on that throne. So they go hand in hand. And why is history important? History is important because we got to know where this all came from. We got to know the beginning. We got to know what God has been doing. 
we gotta, we got to understand what God said and how it all worked. And then we, history will point to the law, the law of Moses. We see this in the Torah. So they would study all these things. This was the curriculum of the school of the prophets. And they were educated both for holy office and for practical life work. Prophets don't just get to sit there and be holy and, you know, they, they got to do something too productive in the natural realm. You see, Paul, who was a, a very gifted prophet, he also had an ability to make tents. He was a tent maker. Samuel was training these guys in office to do something productive for society as well. Whether you were tent makers or whether you were carpenters or stonemasons, whatever it might be. Whether you were shepherds and farmers, you had practical life work. Why is that important for us? Because understand that God has placed you in the natural realm. Don't just live in the supernatural realm and be no good to the natural. Right? you got supernatural gifts so you can impact the natural realm. Because God has placed you here. So, so don't forget about the natural. It's easy to, to live in the supernatural and forget the natural. And it's also easy to live in the natural and never see the supernatural. The Lord is saying, no, there's both. They go hand in hand. You have to do both. And so the prophets were trained in both. Prophecy is one of the most purifying spiritual gifts God has given well, please, please hear me. The blood of Jesus purifies us, like once and for all. But there is working out your salvation. And prophecy, you see this in Scripture in 1 John uh, 3. It says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So we see that this is, it, again, it's the testament of Jesus. It's pointing to the testament of Jesus. The world doesn't know him. They missed it. Well, why did they miss it? Because they didn't get the prophetic word. So when you know prophecy, it begins to purify you because you, you don't miss the testament of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. So prophecy goes hand in hand with that working out your salvation. Now in Hebrews chapter 1, if you turn there, I, I, I quote, we quoted this at Christmas Eve. Hebrews 1.3 says the Lord sustains all things by the word of his power. But if you go to Hebrews 1.1 and Hebrews 1.2, You'll see at the very top of that passage, most Bibles will have a little header. And the header says, God's final word is his son. Now, if you were here on Christmas Eve, we talked about how the word of God with flesh on is Jesus. Okay, so that's what Hebrews 1.3 is alluding to. But Hebrews 1.1 says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. So God spoke the history Know the history of the prophets. And you see how God spoke to those people. In the last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he has also made the world. So he's, the word of God is, is constantly being poured out on us. But in the last days, he, he showed us the, the final word that everything he needs to say is said through Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't speak to you today. It just means that it is finished. He's done what needs to be done through his son, Jesus. He gave us the Bible, the collection of, of the scriptures. Now, I want to take you through this, the prophetic look at the Bible here for a second. Okay, so, so we kind of saw the school of the prophets. Now, they had the Torah. They had what Moses said. We live in the era where we got the whole scriptures. This, the Bible, check this out. The Bible is the declaration of God's divine will and purpose. But know this, it's very prophetic in, in nature. It's, it's actually, there's 66 books that were written 16, over a 1,600-year span, 40 authors, three continents, three languages, all around one general theme, and there's not a single contradiction in the entire Bible. Okay, think about this. Think about a medical journal. Let's just do this. Let's go back to this. Okay, a medical journal, 66 books, 
written over 1,600 years, 40 different authors, three continents, three languages, do you think they could stay around one general theme? No. Do you think they would have any contradictions? Yeah, probably quite a few. But here we have this divine, this divine book, this, this word of God, this prophetic word of God given to man, and not one contradiction, and it's all around one theme. This book is not from this world. You could actually say the Bible is an extraterrestrial book. It really is. It's out of this world. It didn't come from this world. It was inspired by a being that was outside the realm of this world. It was the Holy Spirit inspired. The Bible, if you actually go back and you look at all the context, uh, the, a lot of scholars will say at least one-third of the Bible is prophetic in nature. But even, but even two-thirds, some make the argument that two-thirds of the whole Bible is prophetic in nature. Two-thirds. It's all pointing in the Old Testament to a general theme. And the New Testament is also pointing to that same theme, which is all about God loving you, sending his son Jesus to appear in spotless lamb, to give you new life, appear in spotless life, and then to set you free to be able to do awesome things in his image. Right? That's, that's what it's all about. And if you don't know the Old Testament, you don't, you're not going to know the New Testament. It's the same way. If you don't know, if you don't know Hebrew or Hebrews, you won't understand Leviticus and vice versa. If you don't know Revelation, you won't understand Daniel and vice versa. They go hand in hand. You have to know the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's all collectively pointing to a prophetic word, which is God speaking to you some way, shape, or form. And why does God speak? Why, what's the general theme of why does God speak? Because, John 3, 16, because he loves you. He has spoken so that you can know that you're loved and that you can know you have a purpose. You can know there's a creator who hasn't forgotten about you. You can know that all of this is for a reason. I don't understand the people who don't have God in their life, how they can get up out of bed every single day. What purpose are you living for? What, I, I mean, I can't imagine how, how just despair, just the, the, the spirit of despair that would take over your life if you had to get up not knowing there's somebody out there that sees you, knows you, and has called you to a greater purpose than what than what you're living in just on your own. But that's the prophetic word, given from the prophets, given from the scriptures, and ultimately, finally, given through his son so that you can know you have a purpose and that you're, you're awesomely created. Now, it's not because of you. We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, absolutely. But when God steps in, he gives us beauty for ashes. So why is this all important? Why, like what's the, so now we kind of see the, the, the what is prophecy. We saw the school of the prophets. The Bible has show, showed us it's important to want prophecy. But, but ultimately, why is this important? And here's the general theme of why prophecy is important. Because if you don't know prophecy, you're going to miss Jesus. Okay, I'm just going to kind of spoil the end for you here. If you don't know prophecy, you will miss Jesus. How do I know that tr that's true? Because it happened all the time in the New Testament. Jesus would constantly come up with people who should have known prophecy, but they didn't know. And this is what Isaiah says, Isaiah 48, starting in verse 3. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Then suddenly I took action, and all my predictions came true. So this is God saying, hey, I told you what was going to happen, and it happened. Okay, I, I acted and made it all happen. Now, why did he do that? 
For I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Your necks are as unbending as iron, and your heads are as hard as bronze. He's saying, because you all are so stinking stubborn, this is why I moved. This is why I told you what was going to happen and then made it happen. Because I know you're very stubborn. And if I didn't do it this way, you would do this. That way I told you what would happen. I told you before, it was going to, before I was going to do it. Then you could never say, my idols did it. My wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. Now we do this all the time. It's like, oh, that's a coincidence. Coincidence made it happen. Mother Nature made it happen. My money made it happen. You know, our pa- my power made it happen. No, God speaks prophetically, so you know he's actually God and he's actually doing something. He did it to the, in the Old Testament. He said, I knew you guys would say it was your idols if I didn't tell you I was going to do it. And then I did it. Verse 6, you have heard my predictions and seen them fulfilled, but you still refuse to admit it. Now I will tell you new things, secrets you have not yet heard. The mysteries of God that you have not yet heard. So even after God tells them and then does it, and it comes to fruition, they still don't believe. Sounds like today, if you were asking my, my opinion, it sounds like today. So why is it important? God tells you things that will become so, that, aren't, that are so, or that aren't so, in order that you will know the authenticity of his lordship. He tells you things that aren't, that will be, so that you will know the authenticity. This is what 2 Peter says. 2 Peter says, according to prophecy, this is why, because of that experience, now, Peter is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that everyone now has seen. There's all the witnesses that saw Jesus with their own eyes. He said, hey, that's great. I've seen, I know we've all seen Jesus after the resurrection, but here's how you know he really, truly was God. Because of that experience, we have an even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Basically what he's saying, or, and he says, he goes on in verse 20, he says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human in- initiative. No, the, remember, it's an extraterrestrial book. Never came from humans. Didn't come from humans. Came from the spirit. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So what Peter is saying here, he said, hey, you've seen Jesus with your own eyes, but prophecy is a more sure word than even your own eyesight. Think about that. Prophecy is a more sure word about God existing and doing what he said he was going to do and Jesus being who he said he was than even your own eyes. And if you hold on to prophecy, it'll be a lamp shining in the dark. That's why Paul says, I'd rather you all seek prophecy because I know you're going to need a light in this dark world. And boy, it's getting dark. Prophecy is going to be that light that shines and says, no, God's still there. Prophecy... This is, this is why I love prophecy. Prophecy has your past, your present, and your future all marked out. Isn't it comforting to know that God knows your past, he sees your present, and he's going to let you in on the mysteries of your future? That, to me, is super comforting. I mean, what God, out of all the religions of the world, does that for those who, who worship him? There isn't one. But failing to recognize prophecy can be incredibly dangerous. It can be incredibly damning to you and your future walk with the Lord. This is why we at Life Church say we got to seek after these spiritual gifts. We don't shy away from spiritual gifts. We talk about tongues. We operate in the gift of tongues. 
All right, you might say, well, that's super weird. Yeah, well, Paul talks about doing it. So there's a right way to do it, and we're going to do it. There's a wrong way to do it, too. We're not going to do that. But we, we operate in the gift of healing. We operate in the gift of, of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. We operate in the gift of prophecy because when you do this, you don't fail to see Jesus. You begin to recognize Jesus and what he's doing in your life. But if you fail to recognize Jesus, this is what happens. Now, Jesus actually points to this in Luke chapter 19. So we're going to fly through a couple of these passages here because I'm probably running out of time. All right, yes, all right. Uh, you know what? I'm always shorter than Nathan, though. So, you know, I mean, that is true. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen, yeah? All right. I got a little bit of leash here. Okay, all right. So, although his words are always really good, they just... Uh, uh, you know, people are like, <laughs> all right, Luke chapter 19. Can I just get to my passage? You want to keep interrupting me? All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Luke 19. After he had, you know, it's fun because, uh, I, <laughs> I haven't seen him for like two weeks, you know, and I feel like it's a long lost brother, you know, it's fun to kind of bust each other's chops here. So I got to take advantage of it. All right. Okay, Luke chapter 19. After he had said these things, after Jesus had spoken in a parable, okay, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you. There, there as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say, The Lord is in need of it. And those who were then those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying it, the owner of the colt said to them, Why are you untying this colt? And they said, Because the Lord is in need of it. They brought it back to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. This is Palm Sunday. This is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Okay? He's riding a donkey that had never been ridden before. Okay, this is, this is a big deal. Now, here's, here's the cool part. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice uh, for all the miracles which they had seen. So they had seen Jesus' miracles. They saw with their own eyes, but many of them still did not perceive who he was because they didn't know the prophecies. Shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, who should know the prophecies, they study the Old Testament like nobody's business, said to him, Teacher, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered to them and said, I tell you, if these became silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he wept. He saw it and he wept over the city. And here's why he wept. He said, if only you had known this day were to come. If only you had known that this was going to happen. The things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes because you missed it. He's speaking to the, the Pharisees, but he's speaking to the whole city. Now what's he, what's he saying here? He's saying, guys, there was a word given about this very moment. There was a word that you should have seen that I was going to do this. I told you I was going to do this years ago. I, it was years ago, and we're going to dive into that because it gets really cool here. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up barricades against you and surround you and hem you up on every side, and they will level the ground, your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. You missed Jesus. The most religious people of Jesus' day missed him. They had long desired to see Israel set free. They were, they were praying for the Messiah to come. 
And they missed him because they didn't know the prophecy that had been given them concerning this awesome Messiah. And now you're saying, well, what, what prophecy? Well, let me start with an easy one, okay? This should have been like, okay, well, that, the prophet Zechariah said this in Zechariah 9.9. He says, rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble, and by the way, he'll be mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Exactly what Jesus was coming in on. He came in on a colt, the foal of a donkey, and so they missed that prophetic word. That's a pretty easy one, okay? That's like, guys, no duh, all right? This is what Zachariah said was going to happen right there. Now, we could get into all the prophecies Jesus fulfilled, but that would take a lot of time. But, like, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies uh, that the odds of that happening, it's not, st statistically, it couldn't happen. But he did it. But here's the one that I want to hone in on here as we wrap up this message. Daniel chapter 9 says this. Now, if you know Daniel, Daniel's all about the end times. It's all about Jesus coming to do what Jesus did and then what's going to happen in the end times. Daniel is given a vision by the Lord about those end times, but he doesn't know how to interpret it. He doesn't have the gift. He doesn't know, he doesn't know like, what it all means. And so he begins to pray. He prays and he fasts. And then this is what happens when he begins to pray. I, was, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, which is, I think that's kind of cool. We sort of gloss over that. He's laying out his sins. He's saying, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Forgive my people of their sins. Cleanse me with your blood. Pleading with the Lord my God for, uh, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. Okay, and as I was praying, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding about the vision that God gave you a few days ago. The moment you began praying, a command was given. Okay, so right there, he didn't get the, the word at the time he started praying. But the moment he began praying, the word was given from heaven, go and take the understanding to Daniel. Now, if you go back and study this, Gabriel comes with the message. He's held up in the, in the, uh, in the spiritual realm by the prince of Persia, or the devil, holds him up, and there's a fight. The Lord has to release the archangel, and the archangel goes and, and you know, gives a good butt kicking to the devil, and then Gabriel comes with the message, right? So there's all this fighting happening in the spiritual realm, but the moment Daniel began to pray, you saw that the answer was given. It just took a few days for to get to Daniel. And, and now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. The original translation says, for you are the beloved, you are beloved by the God. Now, who's the only other person in Scripture who's called the beloved? Nope, not Jesus. I, who, who, say it. John. John the Beloved. Now, what book, what was one of the big books John the Beloved wrote? Revelation. Isn't that interesting? A prophetic look at the end times was written by a guy who was called the Beloved, and a prophetic look at the end times was written by a guy who was also called the Beloved. The two only guys called Beloved in Scriptures are both prophetic in nature, okay? So don't let that, don't let that like, uh, you know, don't forget that. God really has a heart for those who have that prophetic gifting and walk in that prophetic gifting. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, Okay, again, if you haven't figured this out, it's all about Jesus, okay? So this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come, put an end to the sin once and for all, for all, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most high, holy place. 
Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a, until a ruler, the anointed one, okay, Jesus, until Jesus comes, Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise with whose armies will destroy the city and the temple, and the end will come with a flood and war and its miseries decreed from the time to the very end. Okay, and then, then it says, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after a half of this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offerings. Okay, this is looking at the Antichrist, and I'll explain this here in a second. And as a climax to all of his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Okay, so let me go back to this. Someone have their calculator with them? Because I want to show you what, what was, what was sh- sh- said to Daniel about the vision. Okay, so we have, after this, a period of 62 sets of seven... Okay, actually, let me go back one more. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. So what's 62 plus seven? 69. You don't need a calculator for that, okay? That's not why I guess I get your calculator out. 69. So there's going to be a total of 69 sets of sevens. Okay, so somebody add that up. Uh, Elijah, you got your cal- calculator? To pull a, someone got it? Okay, what is it? Okay, 69 times seven is what? 69. 69 times seven. 483, okay? So remember that number. So 483, so there's going to be 483 years, okay? So 483 years. Let me get, let me get my, my paper out just so I know I'm, I'm saying this right here. Okay, so Gabriel is telling Daniel this is what's going to happen until the Messiah comes. Okay, so 483 years. Now, in the, in the in the Old Testament, they didn't go on a 365-day ca- calendar. They went on the Julian calendar, which is 360 days. Okay, so what is 483 times 360 days? How many days are we looking at here? 173,880 days okay, will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem. Okay, so when was the command given to rebuild Jerusalem? If you go and study the book of Nehemiah, it was given by a king named Artaxerxes. He gives the command to go back. So from that moment, that's when the clock starts ticking. Hundred, how, many, how many days? 173,880 days will pass until the Messiah comes and is crucified. Well, there's a man named Sir William Ramsey back in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s. He was a professor at Oxford. He did a study. He went back and he actually found the date according to the ancient calendar, and it was March 14th of 445 B.C. is what it would have been when Artaxerxes gave the command for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. That's when the timeline started. And 173,880 days later would have been April 6th, 32 A.D. The exact day, according to the Jewish Passover, that Jesus would have been sitting on that donkey. The exact day. So Jesus is literally saying here, he's saying, guys, I literally told you that this was going to happen on this very day, 173,880 days ago. And trust me, they should have gotten this a lot easier than we get this because we don't live in that calendar anymore. That culture is different. They should have known, oh, 
This is, we, we need to be looking on this day and time for the Messiah to be riding on this colt. And they missed it. I think the Lord has to be saying, guys, I am laying it out for you as clearly as I possibly can. I told you the number of days for crying out loud. Right? The mysteries of God were given in the prophetic. And those who got it, got Jesus. And those who missed it, missed Jesus. That is why this is so important. If you don't have the prophecy gift going in your life, you're going to miss what Jesus has for you in your life. Then he goes on, he says, talks about the end times with the, the Antichrist and the desolation of, uh, or the, 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 the desecration of the temple. The very first Bible study, I want to hit this here too. The very first Bible study Jesus ever gave after his resurrection was the prophetic Bible study. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24. We'll basically end here. Jesus is, he's been resurrected, resurrected from the grave. He says this, uh, the Bible says this, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. And two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, about Jesus being crucified, being light in the tomb, and then, and then the women going to the tomb on the third day and seeing an empty tomb. So they were talking about that as well. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, which I just think is amazing. But God kept them from recognizing him. So he put a veil over them, and they didn't know it was Jesus. So here comes Jesus. They're talking about Jesus, and Jesus is like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more, right? Tell me more. I'd like to hear what you think. And he asked them, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped. First of all, if the Lord ever asks you a question, he's not seeking information, okay, just so you know that, <laughs> all right? Just, just FYI, when you're standing before the Lord someday and he asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. He wants to see what you're going to say. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days. Like, what, have you been living under a rock guy? Like, you know, who are you? What things, Jesus asked. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. God has such a sense of humor, right? What things? Tell me more. I don't know. Like, yeah. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb earlier this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our, our men ran out to see it, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish idiots. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I wake you up there? It's like, wow, Jesus. Actually, foolish is a pretty strong word, right? Okay, so, so Jesus literally like, come on, guys. Come on, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? So, so Jesus is saying, guys, again, I told you all this. How, how much more clear did I have to be with you? But you missed it for some reason. Even his followers couldn't see it. And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I wish that was recorded. 
right? Wouldn't that, I mean, I'm going to ask Jesus about this someday. I'd be like, okay, tell me the teaching. Like, take me through the teaching. I would love to know what you said in this moment. But he took them all through the scriptures and pointed to all the prophecies that he literally fulfilled. Now, if you go back just in Luke 19, and we started there. We started in Luke 19. This is where Jesus, uh, the triumphal entry. But if you look at the parable right before that, that Jesus had said, this is the parable of the ten minas, the money, the money usage. And Jesus, uh, Jesus was saying, um, let's see, let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, so, yeah, so 19. So, oh, my Bible is, uh, give me one second here. So, the parable of the money usage in, in 19, starting in verse 11 while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they supposed that, that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. He called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas or ten coins and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that the slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten more minas. And he said to them, Well done, good and, good and faithful servant, because you have been faithful in very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came saying, Your mina, master, has made five minas. And he said to him also, You are over five cities. Well done. Another came to him saying, Master, here is your mina which I kept put away in my handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You're a hard man. You don't, you don't, there's no compromise with you. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, this is the parable of the, the, the ruler, so this would be Jesus in the picture. Jesus said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Do you know that I am an exacting man? Did you know that I'm an exacting man taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank and having come, I would have collected it with interest? Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, master, he has ten minas already. And remember I said, remember that passage in Matthew where it says to one who has will have more and the one who doesn't have will be taken away to where he literally has nothing. This is what Jesus says. I tell you that everyone who has more shall be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Sheesh. Jesus isn't messing around. He's saying, you missed it, and I'm not putting up with people who miss it. I've told you what you need to know through my prophetic words. This is why prophecy is so important in our lives. Prophecy ensures that we do not miss Jesus Christ. Prophecy ensures that you walk in the calling God has for you, that you have that abundant life that you've been dreaming of. Like the Pharisees who dreamt of a time when the Messiah was going to come to set them free, they missed it because they didn't know prophecy. You too are in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. If you don't know prophecy, you're going to miss that abundant life Jesus has for you. That's why it's so important. That's why Paul says in, in, in Corinthians that especially desire prophecy because you won't miss Jesus. Is that you today? He who has ears, 
let him hear. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.